Hello? I'm standing here, man. There's a lot of people I could be doing business with other than you, Howard. You're, you're, you're falling apart. You're looking like a fool out here in the Diamond District. Looking through fucking fish. Come on, man. I gave you eight years of my life and you can't even fucking uh, talk to me and then look me in the eyes. Man the fucking man. Holy shit, I'm gonna come. And fuck you, man. I'm finished with this shithole. Roses are red. Howie's a degenerate bum. <laughs> Holy shit, I'm gonna come. <laughs> <laughs> this is uncut gem spoilers. Oh, that Gosh. is amazing. Wow. That's poetry right there. It's been a while uh, for the movie trivia game. Last time uh, we did this, what was uh, the last movie trivia, Pap? It was Mouse Hunt, hosted by Stevie. It's a great movie. That's all I'm saying. It's a great movie. And Stevie chose that as like a Christmas movie, or what was that? that was... And it came out in February. It's I a think. Christmas yeah. movie. Yeah. Okay, I'll put it this way. It's a Christmas movie that can be enjoyed at any time of the year. There are two Gorkor picks on the board right now, Mouse Hunt and The Ring from me on the Schneid. So uh, it's been a while. Yeah, so we during that time, we've just been doing like a, a bunch of uh, Return of the King episodes. So that's kind of what we've been up to uh, for, what, like two months? It was like seven episodes. So a whole pivot happened in between then. <laughs> I was going to do The Matrix after I had one Mouse Hunt and... <laughs> that time has passed, Matrix. I don't even think it's streaming anymore. <laughs> I just couldn't bear to like pay money for it, and I was not in a mood to to even watch it again at all. It's uh, if you've seen it, you probably can guess why. It's just not it's not very fun. It wouldn't be fun to talk about either. Well, for those not behind the scenes, Mikey, you had a rare double pivot. Actually, you picked oh, something yeah, else. Well, we were on a uh, a rubber. Battinson high so we I had pivoted because we had all just watched the Batman so I was like oh I'll pivot to um, good time because I really like that movie and I guess we we haven't done that have we no uh, so I was gonna do that but Corey super fan of Pattinson was like I want to do that <laughs> one so I'll do the other dirtbag movie and I chose uncut gems giving Corey a good time when he yeah whenever he's he went. Something that apparently you could hear a lot of trade. Get bullied out of, really. Eh. There's more, though, happening, too, behind the scenes. There's a lot of mechanisms turning. Pappy, Lord of the Rings used to be a Christmas project. We're staring down it did. April. <laughs> but Listen, our, episodes, our episodes are going to be so long. People don't even know. Mm -hmm. I hope they think that's a good thing. Like, this is the longest we've ever covered a movie. A lot of bickering. <laughs> Long and wide. Girthy Vigo Mortensen episodes coming at you for Return of the King. Uh, yeah, but that's kind of what we've been up to. Just working on Lord of the Rings shit. Uh, we got a Batman podcast. Should be coming out soon. Episode 400. The Batman podcast. Yeah. So a lot of content on the way, but right now we're trying to reboot the movie <laughs> trivia game because it's just been so long. So I'm here to do that. And we've or I just got done watching Uncut Gems. Uh, so that's the movie for this week. Yeah. Uh, opening question. 
We'll go east to east, and if you're gonna place a high stakes bet, what is the professional sport you would feel most confident betting on? So, Howard, he's betting a lot on the NBA in this movie. Uh, I don't watch a lot of sports, but I would not feel confident betting on NBA games as much as Howard is feeling uh, confident. Am I the westest? Because Corey's not here. I think you are the westest, yeah. Mikey, your host from Chicago. I would (laughs) feel most confident betting on strictly Liverpool soccer. I would just be like, Liverpool's probably going to score three goals and they're going to win. Uh, that would be as much as knowledge as I could. <laughs> That's a good bet. Possibly uh, muster up for any particular sport. Uh, Pap, uh, this is Pappy recording in Kalamazoo. Uh, I'm not the next Weestus, but I I kind of float in between Weestus and Eastus. Um, I think I've told the story on Pod before, but I'll just tell it again. Uh, I remember one time. So I lived in Colorado. I would place bets for Stevie. I was like the booker in the it restaurant was great. for Stevie. Um, I remember one time I hit a really big parlay. <laughs> right. Like I, I don't know why I asked Stevie that, but it was fun and it was illegal. I used like a European site that was very shady. You had to get your money out in Bitcoin. So it was super confusing. <laughs> but, but I hit a really big parlay at, at like one o'clock in the afternoon and then yada 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 it was four o'clock in the morning and i placed a bet on eastern european women's volleyball (laughs) i was like huh what just happened back there how did i just spend eight hours gambling so i try to avoid that mikey um if i had to pick probably the outcome of like an nba best of seven series i feel like howard's onto something when he says they want the stars in there you know what I mean? I feel like that's a good bet, usually. The NBA doesn't want the Sixers to win. They got fucking... There's no money in that. You understand? The refs know that. They want Walk stars. The stars here, get a fucking ring. Do you think that line was, like, intentional? Like, they had to get that... I don't know. Like, Kevin Garnett was like, say this line. <laughs> was this movie blessed by the NBA? Are they, like, on board with this, or are they... <laughs> don't they have to be? I mean, there's a lot of NBA footage being shown in this. Yeah, don't they have to be on board with it? I have no idea. They could have been paid for the rights and then hated the final product. I don't really know what the story is. They're probably pretty mum mum on it, I would guess. It's um, ABC, right? So it's Mickey Mouse who owns the rights Hmm. to this. I wonder if he knew (laughs) he was going to be in a movie where come through uh, Adam Sandler's asshole to start off with. (laughs) Uh, who's next week's is Josh? Sure. This is Josh from Goshen. I am not really a person that's bitten by the gambling bug, luckily. So I, w- I probably wouldn't. Um, I don't really relate to Howard when it comes to like his sports betting. I think that's like some of his stupidest stuff he does in this movie. But I will still answer this question for you, Mikey. I will say I'd feel b- best, uh, most comfortable betting on Tom Brady. Ooh. So real quick, according to IndieWire.com, the Safdie brothers did not have the licensing agreement of the NBA. They used it under fair use. Ooh. Similar to how Spoilers uh. uses all of our clips under fair <laughs> use. <laughs> Josh, that's a cop out. Everybody knows. Wait, Josh, did you just say you don't gamble? What? I'm sorry. I, I was looking over my stuff. I was getting I want to know what Mikey's advice was there. What everybody knows. I was going to say, if you're going to match up Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady, you're going to take Tom Brady every day. 
all day. You have to trust someone that actually loves their family. <laughs> you do. It makes a big difference. It's kind of like what this movie's about. Why did you walk into that one, Brett? Well, I didn't do anything. <laughs> Just <laughs> typical. Some people projecting, some people are bullies, trash talking. I just like Tom Brady. I think he's got a good mind for the game, okay? Uh, yeah, he wanted to come back he's one really more good at cheating. and just stick it Tommy to Tommy Four Rod. Names is a great person, okay, Brett? <laughs> yeah. Like, not this year, Aaron. I'm coming back. Yeah, he loves his family so much, you can only spend 42 days with him. <laughs> <laughs> That's a fair point. Actually. That's all he needs to recharge. He's good he calls his mother, Brett. He calls his mother. I'm sure he sees them at the end of a very long day. <laughs> uh, Stevie, what do you feel confident? What's Premier League soccer. Chelsea, to be exact. I feel like I know that team pretty well. Um, I usually... Like, parlays... Like, parlays are incredibly hard to hit. And how we placing to win the opening tip on a parlay is insane. Because... I mean, all it takes is one leg to fall and you're done. Yeah, parlays all over town. Yeah, and so the last parlay I hit um, decently well was a plus 1,500 Chelsea versus Norwich. I took over two and a half goals total. uh, Chelsea to cover the spread of minus one. uh, Chelsea to have uh, six or more shots on target. Chelsea to win the the corner spread. And Chelsea to be uh, winning at halftime and all those hits. It's pretty crazy that this movie came out in 2019 because I feel like <laughs> during the pandemic, like this wave of like at home gambling hit, and now it's like every other commercial is for like DraftKings Draft or something like that. It's insane. Because uh, this takes place like what 2010 or something? 2012. Because I was like, where is she going on the helicopter at the end? But she's probably flying to like Atlantic City. Is that why the bet was 155,000? Because it cost 10,000 for the helicopter. I thought like Keith Stanfield. Took his cut out of it. Yeah, before that was uh, that was ten. They already took the ten off that. Yeah, one sixty because he only gave him one sixty five. Oh. It was supposed to be one seventy five, and then it was one sixty five, <laughs> and then it's one fifty five. Now he just keeps losing. She showed up and paid for the helicopter in cash. Just <laughs> him ten thousand. Give him two of these stacks. Brett, are you taking the Packers? Is that what you're betting on? You said uh, professional sport. Uh, I'd probably go NFL. Or, uh, I don't know, UFC. I had a parlay a few weeks ago, but I just picked the favorites. See, that sounds so dangerous to bet on. Yeah, it's a one punch can change everything. Yeah, I mean, I probably would have felt a lot more confident about seven years ago uh, when I knew a lot more about it. But what percent chance is it, Brett, to like the the parlay he puts on Kevin Garnett and the Celtics, what do you think percent chance that is to like hit all of it? I mean, really low. I got to think, just like Stevie said, 50, 50, you already take 50% off with the tip off. Yeah, the, the tip uh, is insane to me. Let's say it's 10 or 10%, right? Let's say it's, it's more than that. I mean, it's less than that. Because it goes that. from 155000 to a million, right? 1.2 or something. So okay. sounds so like about 9 to 1, 10 to 1, something like that? What they show in this movie is that sliver of times that parlays work out. In reality, the other ninety five percent of the they time, don't work. You just hey. you you lose on the tip and you're just deflated and not ninety five ninety 
3.2. Yeah, but if you win on the tip, you're riding that high. Keep it going. Yeah, you're riding that 2.5% happy. That's what the wise guys do. <laughs> like parlays are fun for like five, $10 bets, especially if you're running like- That's all I do. Yeah, I don't buy a lot of money. If, you, if you're running like five legs, you know, five, 10 bucks, but 40 grand- on like a yeah, six, some. you're like throwing your money away. On a six part, like six leg parlay is just, whew, that's tough. And on the opening tip, it's like, what if one guy just doesn't want to jump high this time? <laughs> like, granted, it's the playoffs, but it's like play a hundred games a year. You're betting on the ref at that point. They might throw it poorly. The ref's athletic ability. <laughs> <laughs> Did he toss it? Perfectly straight up, or was it and high enough that Kevin Garnett can even use his height and jumping ability to go get it? Like you're giving away all of Tim Donaghy's secrets here. <laughs> <laughs> Great reference, dude. Uh, so let's get through this movie as quick as possible. Um, opening scene: a miner uh, is kind of carried out of a, a really horrible-looking mine. His leg is broken. And there's a couple other miners who use this opportunity as a distraction to go dig out a giant opal that uh, is eventually bought by Howard Adam Sandler. We uh, get a cool transition. Pappy, what do you think of this transition of the miners looking through this rock and ending up in Howard's colonoscopy? It's so great because at first you think you're flying through like outer space and it looks super cool. Right, because it's super trippy in the colors, and there's weird um, fractals that you see in different colors. Uh, but then it somehow switches over to a, a colonoscopy, and it just tells you everything about the character, right? Like Howard's an asshole. We're starting in his asshole. <laughs> Josh, I think didn't you do like a, a this in an interview? You referenced this <laughs> transition or something? I did on my last the last time I job interviewed. I used a series of movies transitions that I thought were really creative, and I did use that. It was a big risk to use a scene about a colonoscopy <laughs> in a meeting like that, but uh, I landed it, so let's go. It was a big gamble, Josh, but you hit it big. It was uh, You went in with five videos. You had a five-video parlay. <laughs> I'm not and, an athlete. Uh, this is how I fucking win. This is how I win. <laughs> this is me. <laughs> All right, I'm not a fucking athlete. This is my fucking way. This is how I win. Yeah, I think it's great. Uh, definitely a very cool transition, and it certainly ends up not where you expect it to be. Where we're coming out of Howard's ass, uh, Stevie. What do you think of this soundtrack? At the same time, this whole soundtrack is heavy on the synth. Yeah, heavy synth. Like I liked how the music matched with like kind of like Pappy said, like going through the universe and like space and time. It just works, and to land on, like, in Howie's asshole is great for pretty much the rest of this movie, but I do like the heavy synth vibe, especially with it being set in 2012. Stevie, would you say this is the most synth on the movie we've picked since Mike, uh, Mikey did Thief? I was thinking Ooh. Thief too, Brett. In Vision Ooh. Quest before that, maybe? In Drive Ooh. before that? <gasps> well, Thief qualify, or, uh, falls into the... Dirtbag genre. I do love dirt, so like dirtbag cinema. Is I love it. 
What do you mean by that, Stevie, when you say dirtbag cinema? Dirtbag cinema, to me, is when our character that we're following, following around is an absolute piece of shit. That even though we are rooting for them time to time, they make decisions that just disgust us. Much like Moondog lighting millions of dollars on fire. Uh, just for, you know, the shit of it. But that's what I mean by dirtbag cinema. The person we're following around is someone that in real life we would never get behind. Fargo minus Marge equals dirtbag cinema. Pretty much, yeah. Without without Margie, we're uh, we're in great dirtbag cinema territory. Can I go back to the synth use for just a quick sec? There is this beat that this movie hits six to ten times where the synth picks up into this really upbeat, dreamy... It's like an explosion. And it's to me, it's pretty much all the best parts of the movie. Uh, they might be celebrating. They might be looking at an opal for the first time. I think right before Howie gets blasted and he's celebrating the wind. And it's just like they're living in this like dream cinema for... How long is it, Stevie? Like six to ten seconds. Maybe six to ten, six, ten seconds, yeah. It's just little tastes of like heaven or something in here. It's pretty much we're feeling what the characters are feeling, and it's a great beat that this movie picks up. Good call, Josh. So we cut to after Howard getting out of the doctor. He's getting slapped around by a bunch of uh, Arno's bookies uh, and his own store. They're kind of <sighs> giving him a rough time in front of his... His like work associate, whose name is Damani, who's played by Lakeith Stanfield, and he's just kind of like a guy who like comes in and brings wealthy clientele to like check out the store and stuff. Like he's the guy that brought in KG to check out stuff, and he's just getting like embarrassed in front of his employees. <laughs> <laughs> Josh, um, who is the guy kind of slapping um, Howard around right now at this point? I'm glad you tossed that to me because I have a quick note. Um, it's Arnold's right hand, like thug that he hires throughout the movie. Uh, what's actually his name in this? I don't know. Phil. Phil. Yeah. Just, just Phil. Just Phil. As if you, as if you were terrifying enough, his name's Phil. So that just fills you with dread for sure. But he, like, slaps him, and I noticed, like, when howie slash adam sandler is like kind of like that smarts from getting hit he's like kind of touching the same exact spot that he later gets shot and killed and i'm pretty sure that's like a purposeful nod obviously this is a pretty tight script and they thought a lot of that out but yeah man this guy is always lurking and that's a big driver in this movie and a big part of the anxiety is that arnold and phil and there's like two or three other guys that are kind of there in the shadows too, are just on top of Howie all the time. Arnold's friends here? Yeah, I'm, uh, yes, you told me you were waiting on me, so I'm sorry about that. I'm Howard. You didn't bring him any water? I'm good on this water. I don't really need water. Thank you anyway. This is, uh, this is our own spring water. We're the first on the block to have that. Your parents happy for you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, I gotta tell you, I'm in a bit of a rush. I'm not much time because I gotta, I gotta get. What did I tell you? I said no water. Didn't I tell you no water? Uh, I think it's in your best interest that you find some time for you and I. Yes, yes. All right, we're on the same page. I thought it was Eric Roberts. 
for a while. <laughs> Phil? <laughs> it's not. It looks just like him. <laughs> it does. Uh, and I think he's a scary looking guy, but it's not Eric Roberts. He was great, though. Um, yeah, I just could never remember what they were calling him. I don't remember what his name was, but he was great. And he certainly gets fed up with Howard over the course of the movie. He He's really great at showing that and conveying it and like all of the scenes they're interacting together. Phil's a loose cannon, man. He's a little scary. Uh, I love at the end when he's just super sweaty in that like uh, that little in-between area in the jewel shop. And I feel like Phil decides to kill him when Howard goes in on the Boston uh, fat guy in the front row. I feel like at that moment, Phil's like, okay, I'm going to shoot this motherfucker. Like that was the <laughs> thing that was a little bit too far. There's just a bunch of great, weird goon guys just all around in this movie that are trying to hit up Howard for money. A lot of weird-looking guys. Uh, really great, weird guy cast. The guy who's like, he sells a f- fake Rolex to, <laughs> or gives it his like twin brother. That the guy, twins, yeah. That guy's a great like meme, <laughs> just like yeah. lurking. I don't think those guys are actors, by the way. I think they're just like two New York characters that they like pulled for this movie. If I if what I read is correct, did you guys see that? Half of this cast looks just like just regular <laughs> yeah. people. They acted like regular people too. You didn't like it, Brett? I just pointed out the like the jeweler at the beginning, who's not a real actor and he's a real jeweler, is not a good actor. Uh, I mean, I, I don't hate that. He seems like a real person. I could tell he was an actor before I even looked it up. Would you have been happier with an actor in that role? Tom Holland? Ooh. I mean, not really. <laughs> what the hell? <laughs> Which guy? The guy who quits. <laughs> the guy who gets roughed up by... Okay. Yeah, yeah, the guy who quits and gets roughed up, I think. He actually apparently got like a $25,000 something stolen by, what is it, Takashi69? Wait, really? Yeah, that's what it says in IMDb, whether that's true or not. But So, like, it was kind of... He knew the situation pretty well. So you're wrong. He's not just an actor. He's a method actor. Oh, yeah. No kidding. Like we said, Damani is there. Uh, He kind of sees all this go down, and he's just not having a lot of confidence in Howard. They already have kind of a strained relationship. Mm -hmm. Howard's supposed to be selling, like, his, I guess they're fake Rolexes or (laughs) stolen them or something, and Howard is kind of, like, storing them for him. We also meet Julia... Uh, that's his mistress. Uh, she's working like reception and sales and stuff. There is an important point in here. That whole thing with him not selling his Rolexes, is that part of his long con to get Kevin Garnett like attached to the Opal and just singular focus on that? Or is this kind of... I thought it, it, that comes back at the end when he goes to get him and there's only three and there was a lot more. Mm-hmm. I thought he's been giving them away or stealing them. Yeah, he's them. been pawning them off and placing <laughs> bets, I think, with the money There's he's There's a lot been... of parlays out there with those watches. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, when he goes to the guy in the restaurant, he, like, tries to give him a free Rolex. That was yeah. probably one of the key standards. <laughs> one of Damani's. That guy, yeah. Mike Francesa. Yeah, what, what do I know him from? He's a sports... He's a big sports talk radio guy. Okay. He screams a lot? Uh, he's not, like, Mad Dog or anything, but, I mean... Okay. He's, like, a, you know, Northeastern... Sports talk guy. Turn around. Don't even don't even step in my place. Turn around. I got no, some don't bets. Even sit down. 24G. 24G. Where would you get 24Gs? I want the OKC Lakers. I want the fucking over. All right? Yeah. I want Colby's under. 
because he's on the, fucking all of a sudden he's passing. In the ocean. Yeah. He's not scoring tonight. Yeah. I want the uh, six is the cover. Plus one. The points. Let's uh, finish the bet is, here. Um, hey, one thing at a time. I mean, come on now. Points. Yo, Damani, Damani. Yeah, we finish the bet. If he gets to the store before I do, you, you just fucking keep me. Okay, you promise me? Kevin Garnett is coming to my fucking showroom right now. Right now. So, yeah, KG shows up, and his bodyguards are, like, beating up a bunch of people, causing a ruckus outside of Danny's store. And he's been brought in by Damani, who brings him in to look around. Uh, I guess there's, like, a misunderstanding outside. While KG is in the store, this is when Howard get finally gets uh, the stone in his hands. And Brett, how does he get this thing mailed to him? <laughs> like... Uh, what is what? What do you think is going through uh, Howard's mind as he's unwrapping this thing? Well, like at first uh, he he can't find it. I'm sure he's probably thinking, "There is the stone." That was bad. That was more like that is a Scandinavian. Um, oh, brother! <laughs> well, it's not my. It stinks that Mikey did the best impression of that earlier, but um, he's got it wrapped in fish. I mean, a bunch of. Dead fish. Sea bass, right? I don't know. Just to hide it in shipping and just so nobody's aware of it. I don't know. I feel like the uh, the guy who like hand-delivered it to him, I feel like he knew something because he did something at the door. Like I don't know why they would cut back to him, but it's like maybe he was in on knowing that there was a giant rock in this package or something. Josh, I don't want to like uh, – I don't want to give out too many much information, but – your relative who worked uh, down at the border-ish, you think that would have fooled him? <laughs> I feel like that's a lot of information. <laughs> All right, oh hit a point. I swear you've talked about him on the pod before, so that's why I felt mildly comfortable, but I guess we can just scrap this whole part. I, well, I will just say that it is a very good hiding place, and when Howie has several employees quit on him. This is like <laughs> this is also preluding the Great Resignation. This movie it's very prophetic, but mm-hmm. as his first like one of his right hand hand men is like leaving him and just talking him, he says like one of the most hilarious things in the background. I'm sitting here spilling my guts out, and you're looking through fucking fish. <laughs> and it's like it's like a million quote a million dollar gem. He's like getting out of the fish, but. This scene is so ridiculous. And Mikey, it's also where you got the opening spoiler quote, right? Like, yeah. He's all Holy about. Holy shit, I'm going to come. <laughs> oh, jeez. <laughs> <laughs> is this why he didn't get the Oscar, this line? Like, no nods because of this. This should have gotten him the Oscar. It should have been the lock. Yeah. He wanted it so badly. <sighs> and I, th- yeah, we can talk about that maybe at the end or right now if you guys want. But this thing got. Zero nominations uh, for that 2019 Oscar year or whatever. It might have been late. I think it like came out the same month the Oscars came out or something. So, but yeah, we we all love this movie when we watched it and were uh, kind of shocked when it got zero nominations. So I don't know if you guys wanted to say anything like you thought it should have been nominated for or. How do you not give it best original screenplay? Thank you. A nomination. Like I feel like that at a minimum, and maybe 
I don't I don't even know what they're where they are with the sound categories if it's one or if it's two. But the mixing, the sound mixing, mm-hmm. there's so many moments in the jewelry shop with like the buzzer going off and shit and the score coming in and people just screaming over each other. Yeah. Like it's so well like mixed. At least yeah. those two. I mean, I can I feel like the Academy holds grudges. This is the year the Bohemian Rhapsody won editing. <sighs> yep. This is such a well edited in the writing and in the what you see on screen like it's unbelievable this is a different league than bohemian rhapsody this is that was a turning point for me in the oscars you were talking about a pre-pod pat but the thing the thing about the oscars are though they're incredibly petty and i feel like they just didn't want to nominate adam sandler for a best actor nomination <laughs> did he get nominated for um for punch drunk love or is that a golden globe I nomination i don't think he's ever been nominated for an oscar Oh, those bastards. Yeah, I mean, he was just so good in Happy Gilmore. But I feel like it's like, once you make <laughs> Jack and Jill, they're not going to let you get an Oscar nomination, <laughs> oh, no matter how good you are. Uh, Yeah, I obviously think it should have been nominated for at least a couple things. Certainly production-wise, I obviously love the, the soundtrack, and Pappy Wright, the audio is pretty crazy throughout the whole movie. Golden Globes, you're right, Stevie. Gotcha. He did win an Independent Spirit Award Best Male Lead for Uncut Gems. The coveted Independent Spirit. <laughs> the Why new he's, won a, he's won a lot. He's won a lot of Golden Razzies. Why isn't it celebrated someone that goes to the both polar ends of the opposite spectrum? Like, Shouldn't should it be, be like celebrated? I mean, yeah. It's so Absolutely cool. should be. Yeah. He's so cool. He's so cool, man. <laughs> The only other man to do it, Pacino. (laughs) (laughs) With Adam Sandler. To be honest, though, like it is pretty freaking badass by the Safdie brothers, right? That's how you say it? Safdie? Safdie, yeah. First, they get Robert Pattinson in good time, which even to more of an extent then, he was known as the Twilight guy, right? Or maybe the Harry Potter guy. He's still somewhat known as the Twilight guy, even though he's played Batman, like Corey always talks about. (laughs) But... Then they get the the stupid fucking comedy guy, you know what I mean? Like who makes some of the worst, literally some of the worst major budget movies that have ever been made, Adam Sandler, and they put him in this. That's so cool, actually, you know, like, and, and they're both incredible fucking movies. Yeah, it's kind of like weird seeing him just turn it on when he wants to be a serious actor, but he's been doing it for like 30 years, so he's obviously got like the 10,000 hours he's... I don't know. When you think about it, he's been around forever. He should be a fairly good actor. This is classic good directing, though, too, with a good actor. And I was listening to a little bit of an interview with the Safdie brothers, and they said one of the big things is a big theme they had when directing him was telling him he always had, quote, three screens on in his life. And they would kind of label him like, the here's your a b and c screen so it might be like the game on tv is a his girlfriend is b and is like son learning about his girlfriend is c you know like whatever the examples are and sometimes like between cuts they would just like toss out a letter to be like this is like prominently what you're worried about for just like a few seconds to lead this i I just thought that was a really interesting way 
to <laughs> like it also leads to like the paranoia of just thinking of three screens like on and all that like chatter and uh, anxiety it, it's just pretty cool it's so cool uh yeah anxiety that's a good point i feel that every time i watch this movie it does a good job of uh making you feel that while you're watching it um so when we get to this this rock shows up at the store uh howard is just like so fucking excited to show kg he's he's just wants to share it with everybody because he's spent months trying to get this thing imported and so he shows it to kg kg immediately becomes obsessed He's just <laughs> taken over by the stone. Uh, Josh, has anything ever <laughs> just taken over every like your whole attention and you've just become so enraptured <laughs> with something that you can't focus on anything else? I do think that when the Nintendo 64 was brand new, and I, I don't know what grade I was in. Brett, do you think we were in like fourth grade? 64? Uh... Yeah. Third grade, fourth grade, fifth 96, grade. 96, I think. Something like that. But I so a little later, yeah. There's an early Star Wars game, and I went over to somebody's house, and they were just flying ships through space on N64. <gasps> and I was. Sacred Jedi Tech! <laughs> <laughs> and I. Mikey, this is to me my favorite part of the movie. When Kevin Garnett, we've seen his like whole athletic career play in front of our eyes. Like there's like a, a school picture that flashes yeah. for like one second. He looks into this opal, the synthesizers hit in one of those magic moments that we were talking about earlier. Why's it got so many colors in it, man? What is this? That's the thing. They say you can see the whole universe in opals. That's how fucking old they are. Holy shit. I've been telling you. That's why I'm wanting you to see it. Yo, that's crazy, man. It's fucking from stone to stone. Garnet to stone, you know that. That's a million dollar opal you hold, straight from the Ethiopian Jewish tribe. I mean, this is old school, Middle Earth shit. You got a motherfucking dinosaur gym in this man. The dinosaurs, that's right. The dinosaurs fucking stared at this thing. It's 110 million years old, at the least. This thing And he has this, like, this like euphoric anything is possible my entire yeah, this, life has led to this <laughs> time and space like kind of become him and it's really trippy and cool and does anyone else just like really love this shit i mean it's okay but bohemian rhapsody had a hard cut to midwest usa yeah. <laughs> let, me, let me stop you let me stop you guys right there you guys are getting your ears mixed up okay this well, unfortunately came out the probably the best year in mu- in movie history. So, 2019 it came yes. out. So it was in the 2020 it would, it, for the Oscars. 2019 oh, awards okay. ceremony. So it, I'm not saying it did or didn't deserve it, but did they just, nominate nine or ten? I thought the thing year. was it it came ten. out like the same month the Oscars came out, or like a I month it came before. out. Yeah, December. it came out December, but like they didn't release it on Netflix until like January, February, March. Because I remember I got a copy. To show to you guys, and uh, it wasn't coming out on Netflix for a while, but yeah, I mean, so I mean, I'm not saying whether or not, but yeah, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, just nine. So they could have nominated ten. So it's like an intent that that pisses me off more than anything. You know what I mean? It's like you have 
10 spots and this wasn't even worthy of an oscar nomination like no other movie that year was that's why they fucking suck guys why is why is this moment in the movie so good though they literally they just show like still frames Uh, i don't know i'm so drawn to it and i'm sorry to stick on to it but what is it in here please tell me i don't know it's just like in the beginning when we saw it going through like the space mm-hmm. or whatever uh type environment in the rock i don't know it's just like seeing KG, <laughs> they do a real close-up of his face and he's just like he's got his tongue sticking out he's drooling on the floor looking at this rock <laughs> it's just really funny um and in my head it's like all are all of the a24 movies connected in some way <laughs> The A24CU. Are they connected in some way? Or no? Because this is just like... I, this rock, I wouldn't be surprised to be in like a lore of A24 movies. Mikey, know, that should have been the opening question. Like, what spoiler man do you see when you look into the opal? <laughs> <laughs> All of the spoiler men who's fallen before us. I see Jake Gyllenhaal's... <laughs> Vigo Mortensen's penis. <laughs> Whoa, spooky spoilers. And so he's like just obsessed with it and he thinks it, it's like going to make him play out of his mind. So he thinks it like grants him power in some sort of way. So he wants this thing more than anything else right now. And so he's like asking Howard if he can borrow it. And CV, what does Howard do? And what does he get in <laughs> return for this rock? So... I love that scene with just don't lean on the glass, KG. Don't lean on the glass. Told you not to leave. With all the chatter in the background, it makes this entire sequence just so anxiety ridden. But I do love the the interchange between like KG holding it, being like, I want this. How much you need for it? And I'm sitting there immediately going, Well, that's not for sale. And KG being like, why would you show me this if you're not going to sell it to me? (laughs) I think, I mean, it's just great how Howard's brain honestly works. But he needs it, he needs it. And so he decides to trade off his championship ring to Howie. Which Howie, and then in return, takes that to get pawned off. Which takes that in return to go place a parlay. It's just great. Yeah, it's just... It's like it amps up the anxiety in like 10 seconds because as soon as he gets that ring, he's in the pawn shop down down the street yeah. and he's giving away another man's championship ring. Same with like the Michael Jackson necklace. Like the way the script falls on itself is perfect. Does he do this every week though? This doesn't seem sustainable. <laughs> like he would have got shot a long time ago, right? Everyone in the pawn shop knows him. Everyone <laughs> knows Howie. Howie! By he's name. like Norm from Cheers. <laughs> He's like, hey, you're looking better this week type thing. Like, he knows everybody. Yeah. And for those of you who don't know, when he's pawning this item, he's basically taking a loan out on it <laughs> yeah, against the place. With a so he's on taking top. A, a loan out against a thing that he doesn't own, which he already owes money all over town. He could have solved this problem just by selling the opal <laughs> five minutes ago. Yeah. Like CB said, he goes and pawns that ring and he places that bet with Mike Francesa. Um, He's just got a lot of confidence in Kevin Garnett because he's talking a big game in the store. And he, like we said, saw his life flash before his eyes. He thinks he has uh, 
superpowers. Amazing. He's going to play like a LeBron. Uh, right Dude. Now. <laughs> what team was LeBron on at this point? 2012? The Heat? Gotta be Cavs. Oh, they're Heat, Cavs. I thought. Oh, is it? I think oh. he's with the Heat. He's on the Heat. Yeah. He okay, went there okay. in 10, 10, 11, 12, 13, I think. And who wins, who wins the championship? In 12? Heat. Yeah, he did. If it's his third season, it's the Heat. Because they went loss, win, win, loss. So Kevin loses the stone in uh, checking. And... <laughs> It gets lost on a plane. Uh, that's why they don't win that year. That fair use thing is blowing my mind. Like, is that is awesome? It, is it always because they like it's on a TV screen that I is shot with so. another camera and it's never longer than X amount of and seconds? To, and to that's think, pretty crazy. To think Universal took down one of our fucking episodes for playing five minutes of or five seconds of music. Like ridiculous, insane. We don't even want to say the artist's name, but it was like. We we always talk about and like legitimately break down the soundtrack and critique it. So it really should be fair use, don't you think, Pat? Like I don't think it's bullcrap. Well, I think even this should be fair use. I think like the like if anything, copyright laws are like too restrictive. And like people on YouTube, you know, are always bitching about like how it's just like an algorithm coming in and like taking away their income and stuff do you think post malone lost any album sales because we had him in three and a half seconds between the spoiler and like the opening like it's so stupid i i I get a little fuzzy on when it comes to like sports and stuff but like one of the main things about fair use is just like you said if it's like a market substitution so i don't think anybody could like watch uncut gems and be like oh i'm watching 76ers (laughs) Celtics you know what I mean you're not gonna get the same thing out of it it's a totally they're totally transforming it do you think Safdie brothers are big enough that they're kind of like come at me bro this would be great marketing for the movie if you suit us I don't know if they are Adam Sandler might be Josh, this is where Francesa rejects that watch Howard gives him. He's like, "This, I don't want this fucking stolen shit or whatever. So he doesn't take it. And Francesa thinks he's an idiot for this bet. and uh, He's really doubting his confidence. And uh, Howard turns around and says something. I don't know. It's like, I don't think so, my friend. I, I, disagree. I disagree. I disagree. Oh, I disagree. I disagree. I disagree, Gary. Uh, so, yeah, he, he thinks he's gotten in on this bet. So he's taken out crazy par. Let's like crazy parlays and stuff. It's going to pay out really big. It shows you how much that Kevin Garnett moment actually means to the movie. Because when he says, I disagree, part of you is like, I agree. Kevin Garnett has superpowers when he has this freaking opal. <laughs> so, like, I love that, Mikey. Sorry, go ahead. After that uh howard just like really wants to watch the game nothing else is on his mind because he has to like make sure that all of his parlays hit and all that shit and the only thing getting in his way is his goddamn family (laughs) stevie (laughs) 
Uh, he's trying to watch this game at home. What does his wife want him to do? Bring the kids out so they can get divorced in front of them. <laughs> yeah. <I> mean, <laughs> oh my god. I mean, these two obviously are just um, this marriage is dead at this point. And you know, Howard is so fixated on this game, which rightfully so, like I wouldn't say rightfully so, but in the context of, you know, throwing down, how much does he put down on the original Kevin Garnett bet? Like 20. uh, 21. Yeah. He puts down 21 in the original Kevin Garnett bet. Like he is just, you know, so fixated on, I got to hit this. I got to hit this. And I love how he's sitting in his kid's bed, like as his kid's like trying to sleep, he's at the end of it. And he's like just watching the game with headphones on, trying to make himself feel better, being like, you know, I'm spending time with the kids, but, you know, I'm watching KG instead. <laughs> like, it's just ridiculous. Yeah. And he eventually uh, wins big, or he, like all of his parlays hit and all that shit. And he's about to like take an Uber or something to his apartment to bang Julia. And he's in a good mood. Uh, he hides in the closet and like freaks her out or something uh, pops out of the closet. So he's in a good mood and he thinks that he's out of the red now at this point. I don't know what he's thinking, but uh, as far as we're, we're concerned, as of this point, his debts are paid off. Um, if he just goes and pays his bookies or whatever. After that, all of the weirdo, weird looking guys that he owes money money to, oh, the uh, they're just going to show up and, <laughs> and they're like looking for their money <laughs> like the very next day. And uh, Pap, you mentioned these two weird looking twins. What? How does he like shake them? How does he get rid of them in front of Damani? He gives them a wash, which may or may not be Damani. 100% is. <laughs> um, and he's like, here, take this Rolex. It's worth like twenty thousand dollars or something which is a fake rolex anyway and then as he walks up to damani he pretends like the two twins were trying to sell him the rolex he's like back off no i don't need a watch today i'm good and damani like <laughs> ushers him away but like he does kind of get fucked over a little bit by damani and kg in the scene right even though we know Howard pawn the ring like this sucks for him like even from the beginning KG is just like super pushy and it's like, dude, I'm not going to give you this rock that I'm telling you is worth like, I'm, te- I'm telling you in confidence because I, I like you, but it's like, this thing is worth a million bucks. I'm not just going to let you take <laughs> it first. I just got it. I just yanked it out of a fish. I'm going <laughs> to give it to you. Um, so yeah, he's just getting kind of like played uh for far too long in this movie uh for like i feel uncomfortable for him and he does get played for such a large portion of this movie the like the thing he worked so hard to get wasn't even in his own possession uh for most of the movie yeah but damani drives him to philly because he tells him they're gonna go get the stone uh and then he ends up ditching him at the stadium and so Howard's pissed. He's got to drive back to the city. He's got to go Take see his bus. kids play. Yeah, mm-hmm. he looks like an idiot. Josh, he's got to go to his kids play. Who does he uh, run into? Oh, no, it's Phil again. Philadelphia. <laughs> <laughs> and we kind of skipped over. I said the time where Phil slaps him, and then he touches his cheek right where he gets shot later in the bullet wound. But 
The second time we see Phil, it's when he's like, he got beat up by KG's guards and he's like threatening to kill Howie so specifically. It's like so scary. We see him on the street and then here he is. One of his most terrifying moments when Adam Sandler is just like talking to the neighbors about this upcoming play and upcoming vacations. And he looks to the back of the theater and like through people's heads, he sees in this crease freaking Phil just like scoping him out at his kids play. That's really, uh, this is a great scene. I think overall, this is a great setup. These guys are all throughout the movie, just kind of like sitting on a chair through a window, like staring at Howie, just kind of like, I don't know, like the camera will zoom in on them, just kind of like scoping Howie out, uh, just kind of following him and tailing him and shit. They're getting way too close. Howie feels threatened for his family and stuff. And yeah, he lures them outside and then he gets the shit beat out of him and locked in his car. <laughs> he has no plan when he's doing this. Like, what the fuck is he thinking? He asks them to step outside and then like his first move is just to bite, to bite. the dude's <laughs> arm. He has no plan. Like, how is this going to work out well, Howard? What were you thinking? I think he was planning on ditching his family. <laughs> just <laughs> driving <Run>! away. <laughs> I don't know. He's he's desperate. He's very desperate, and he has no money to pay these guys. So like, what else is he gonna do? But I guess Arno was nice enough to just like beat the shit out of him, strip him of his clothes, and lock him in the trunk, and kind of just like humiliate him. Are you serious though? Like, I this is probably my biggest note, Mikey, and I've been holding off railing on him. Arno is like the biggest he's a bigger pos than howie watching this again for the second time really points that out like the reason Howie's being scouted out at his kids play is because like his brother-in-law knows he's going to be there and he is like he's out of his league messing with this like phil guy he can't control him he thinks he's tough like I hate Arno so much in this movie. He is like the biggest piece of shit to me. <laughs> you don't feel bad for Arno at Passover when the the dad just skips over him during the reading? <laughs> no, and the dad is such a nice guy. And if you trust anyone's ju- like judgment of character in this movie, it's him. It's gooey. And he's like, he's like Howie. <laughs> even y- you, who I know is a piece of shit, I'm gonna tell you, this Arno guy, he feels like a. St- like a wolf in here like we hate him <laughs> he, called, he said happy holidays <laughs> you know what he says to me mm-hmm. he comes over and he says uh, happy holidays it's like it's christmas it's like having a intruder in your own home he's not bothering anybody all right he's 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 trying yeah easy for you to say i didn't marry your daughter i mean he looks like a bad guy and he is a bad guy yeah, but yeah, we find out like in the next scene that Arno is yeah his brother-in-law. How did this not get best original screenplay? It's so good. The way they reveal that he's his brother-in-law mm-hmm. at that dinner party. It's, it's a perfect reveal. It's perfect. Like everything building up to it. A lot it, of good nominees that year. Everything building up to it makes sense. And I mean, just the idea that like you know, the trick on the brain of like, what the hell is like our main antagonist doing here? And it's like, oh my God, it's his brother-in-law too. Like, it's just, it's perfect. It makes sense too when he uses the dad to like 
bid up the opal later? Yes. Do you think he did something similar to Arno? <laughs> well, he knows Ar- I mean, Arno's obviously like a loan shark, and he's out a hundred grand with Howie. And, you know, it's perfect stuff of like, even before he knows his brother and he's like, I hear your kids are going to Timberlake. Like, you're resurfacing the pool. And you're like, you know, who's talking to Arno about all this? Oh, my God. And it's like, oh, it's because it's his brother-in-law. And he's hearing all this info from his wife. It's just in the family thread. It's just in the family thread. It's perfect. (laughs) Okay, Brett, to your point, Parasite, Knives Out, Marriage Story, 1917, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Would you take out any of those four? Uh, uncut gems. I don't know. Maybe knives out for me, but that is- marriage story. Nah, I wouldn't take any of those out. I and mean, you're asking the wrong. Know. You're asking the wrong person. Brett, what's your deal, man? Yeah, I feel like you're pretty down on this movie. Yeah, you seem jumpy, man. Let's just proceed. No, what's your no, vi- it's give a us a podcast? Let's talk. talk. We'll, we'll get there. Just say it. No, is it yes or no's? I don't. <sighs> We all know it's probably a, a no, I guess, but like we won't attack you for your opinion. I, I just promise. want a vibe check. Yeah, like why is it too anxiety inducing? I freaking hated this movie. No, <laughs> I love it. No, I love this. A lot of people do. My favorite part is when the credits came up. <laughs> Dude. It's too much anxiety for Brett. Say your piece. <laughs> One thing is Brett hates stupid characters. Yeah. And how he makes so many stupid decisions. Uh, yeah, oh, he's an idiot. Here's yeah. the thing. It's not that I don't see... Uh, I mean, obviously, the like the colors in this movie were awesome. The directing was awesome. The uh, acting was so-so. Uh, it's original. But to me, if you're going to make the most obnoxious and uncomfortable movie I've ever seen, you at least owe me a freaking happy, e- a happy ending. Oh, no. And I didn't get that. I know I like you like it. that, Stevie, but I don't. <laughs> I respect it because I feel like there are a huge percentage of people who agree with you. <laughs> and now I don't want to watch Good Time. You've never seen Good Time? Nope. It's almost like a happy ending for Howie, yeah. I would argue. No, it is a happy ending. It. It, is. Sweet, it is. Sweet release. Until you think <laughs> about how they probably kill his girlfriend. And they probably go, probably no. kill his family too. Oh, that's all off screen. Yeah, uh, that doesn't matter. Co- no, no, no. Josh has a good point though. It does have a happy ending for Howie, like one hundred percent. Because he would have lost that if million. If you the dive next week. into like the gambler's mind, this is the happiest moment of Howie's life. Is this parlay that hit with this much on the line? And the way that gambling addicts their brains work is, say Howie. You know, hit a fifty thousand dollar parlay. It's his brain works like it's not that he hit a fifty thousand dollar parlay. He lost a hundred thousand because he didn't bet more. That's how his brain works, and this is probably the happiest moment of Howie's life. So we him guy, dying right there is it, it rhymes. It's poetry. Yeah, it's happy for him. It's not happy for me. <laughs> we knew a guy in college who was a really good poker player, and one night he won thirty thousand dollars playing online poker. But oh because of who he is, before he logged out, he went and lost $8,000 in five minutes on Blackjack. Yep. Because that's how he is. And I, I get that. Hey, positive 22K. <laughs> 1-800-GAMBLER if you're struggling. Brett, I honestly don't agree, though, that the girlfriend and family are getting killed. I think these guys committed some murders. They're getting gems, and they're getting the hell out of there. They got arrested. Yeah, they're arrested because everything in that pawn shop is on video. Well, no, no, no. They can't get out. They're arrested. Maybe they committed suicide <laughs> jumping out the window to JoJo's or something. 
Well, one of them can get out because they can buzz each other out. Oh, that's true. The prisoner's dilemma. <laughs> Wait, so what? Uh, Seb, I, I never really thought this out. What is the dilemma here? What What are you guys saying? They can't. They're both in there, so only one of them can ever get out. So one of them has to be arrested. Well, they're definitely on tape. Yeah, I'm a little confused as to how the second door opens. Like once, yeah, I don't know how they can get out either. Once Howie sticks that thing in, could they have just gone out the front door too? No, they can get out because they show earlier that if you have Howie's key, you can get through the door. Oh. Because he lets himself in, and then he lets himself in once he gets inside the middle part. I thought these guys were looking for a cash out, not to go, like, cartel everyone's family or anything, like that freaking Brad Pitt movie, The Counselor or something. I like the point that you made, Josh, uh, that Arno has control of this guy, because Arno is related to Howard, yet he couldn't stop Phil from killing uh, Howard and and himself so it's like i don't know and then arno also looked like super scared at the end mm-hmm. like that's great acting yeah that actor is awesome well, i like him he's good at everything he's in uh your show isn't he uh stevie succession hold on brett you hated him what's his name um he's in six oh is he- i don't know how to say is he in succession name. i know from yeah i know from under siege 2 in uh wonderland but Eric Bogassian? Bogassian? Yeah. Bogassian? That sounds right. Bogassian? I think who like he maybe. plays in succession. Bogassian. Eric Bogosian? Bogosian? Yeah, he's, he's great, though. The only person who acted better than him was probably The Weeknd. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll just fly through this part real quick. Uh, Gil, e- Gil Evis. Gil Evis? I don't know. The senator. Oh, who, the senator. Uh, gotcha. Shiv works for. Yeah. Howard and Zamani meet up at a weekend concert. Uh, he wants to get the stone back. Damani doesn't have it. Uh, Howard's girlfriend, Julia, is like in the back about to bang the weekend and do coke in the bathroom. Uh, he goes back there and like causes a ruckus and then ends up getting beat up and he leaves in a cab <laughs> dealing with Julia. They pretty much break up and he like asks her to clean all of her stuff out of the apartment. I had a note about this, Mikey. Howard's so narcissistic that he tunes everybody else out like in different ways, right? Whether it's like saying, I'm going to come while his employees like quitting and spilling his guts to him, or if he's just like making this ridiculous scene in front of all these people, like they're just screaming at yeah. each other on the street in front of dozens and dozens of people. Get blew a huge fucking sale for me! Why were you selling your fucking hot snacks? Oh! Throw my, oh my fucking life away for this skank over here! Oh, wow! Okay! Now I'm a fucking skank! Where the fuck are you? Listen, Howard! You knew what the fuck it was when you met me! That's right! Yeah, that's why I never- I wish I never fucking met you! Right here! Oh, wow! That's great, Howard! Howard! Get out of my fucking way! Howard! Go fuck the weekend, alright? We didn't fucking do anything! Go off of me! Go, 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 fight! Go, go, go! Good night! Bye! Get the fuck away! I can understand why he's mad. He's like so invested in this rock. This is going to be like the thing to get him out of his hole of debt or whatever. But it's like, dude, you're meeting up at a nightclub. This guy isn't just going to hand over this rock in the middle of a nightclub or something. I don't know. He's just he's asking a lot uh, and he's like not reading the room, I guess, uh, for the situation he's in. 
It's got a cool shirt, though. Very cool shirt. <laughs> yeah, he's definitely out of place. He's certainly like older than everybody by like 15 years. And this is where we meet the guy who has the Michael Jackson piece, which he's also like currently in the process of pawning. Uh, so he's just like pawning other people's shit off to pay his own debts. He's We just see more scumbaggery from him. It's constantly robbing Peter to pay Paul to also lay a parlay. Yeah. Uh, next scene, KG ends up coming back. He's brought the rock back. Uh, Howard is like, I think he called like, uh, God, who's the guy who owns, who owns the Celtics? Hourback or something? I don't know. Uh, he calls someone and he's like, KG, uh, I have a. I have to file a complaint against. <laughs> Pretty sure he doesn't call Red Auerbach on the phone. <laughs> <laughs> this is Howard Ratner. Yeah, my assistant told me that you called. How are you doing? I'm not gonna lie to you. I could be better. Sorry. So, to hear that. so what can I do for you? I've been having a situation with one of your higher profile players, and I'm right. a, I'm moments away right now from making things very ugly for you. Okay. Can you hang on? For no, a I'm not hanging on. I happen to be a litigious individual. Mm. Yeah, KG brings it back. Everybody is pissed in the room. KG just wants to give him 175 outright for it. And Howard is just like, no, I can't because it's still going up for auction tomorrow. And he tells him to like, just go to the auction and bid on it yourself. This is like the opposite of what happened to Adam Sandler and Happy Gilmore with the house. Like, just go bid on the house, Happy. And then... And then uh, Shooter McGavin comes and bids him out of it. Speaking of it, I wish this movie would be better if Lafferty Daniels was the lead character and not Happy <laughs> Gilmore. Thank you, Stevie. I knew you, at least you would get it. <laughs> Lafferty Daniel Gilmore Happy. <laughs> uh, more family time after that, after KG shows up. Howard is, this is where we see uh, the relationship with Arno. Um. Brett, how awkward are these family gatherings? You you know a man who also has a horrible time with family. His name is Aaron Rodgers. Gosh, are these geez. better or worse family gatherings for Howard and Arno? Well, they exist at least. Yeah, these two guys are actually meeting up uh, to <laughs> celebrate. <laughs> yeah, and they shouldn't be. So because not all families get along. Um, it's awkward, and it's made more awkward by the 48 times that they make eye contact. Uh, I do, I mean, I, Josh, you probably do like the part when he tells Arno that he's a pussy. Arno, what the fuck? Can we just fucking talk? We're family. We're here right now. Get out of my way. Yeah, you're not so tough without your friends around, are you? Are you? Are you? You like it, or you think I like it? Well, no, I mean... I like, I mean, you kind of mentioned that, that he's just kind of a scumbag and... You hate Arno. Yeah. Who said that I hated Arno? No, I hate, Josh I does. do. I do. Josh is a big hater of Arno. They're awkward, Mikey, to answer your question. But I love Judd Hirsch and, like, anything. Howard makes a comment about the stone or something, and Arno gives him a really... This is stone. Just a, just a really nasty look, uh... When he hears about how much money Howard is going to make on this deal, and I know you, you hate, know that I know. You, sorry, I know you hate Arno, Josh, but like, you got to understand, he's the black sheep brother-in-law. 
Howard, even though he's like this like degenerate gambler, everybody in the family seems to love him, and like only he knows like what a piece of shit he really is. Like that's relatable, right? And he still doesn't want to kill Howard in the end. That's admirable. <laughs> yeah, I don't agree with Josh saying that he's a worse guy than uh, Howie, but you know he's pretty bad. I mean, I think Phil's the worst guy. Like Arno isn't br- isn't bright. He brought Phil into the picture. Desperation's a stinky cologne, Josh. Mm. I mean, who who gives Howie a hundred grand? Yeah, a hundred grand to your idiot brother-in-law. <laughs> that's that's on you, pal. I'm reading through it, and chances are that bad guy Phil and the other goon never made it out of the shop. That's like everybody's consensus is they never made it out. Why do you say? Um, just the simple fact that, like, um, you know, the whole key file, electronic key thing that Brett was talking about? Like, I don't think Howard had it on him in that moment. He only had one. I think him and Julia shared it. Uh, and also, like, the two door system. Like, to open that door, um, you have to buzz from the outside. Like, I mean, they would ne- oh, they never would so have made Julia- it out. So when Julia left to go to the bathroom, quote unquote, and she took the key. She took the key yeah, with her. So they would never would have made it out. And since the fact that you hear sirens going, like, not too far after, like, the murders, like, they're not getting away. Mm. I love how that plays into Adam Sandler's, like, hubris, too. Because he probably, like, knew that. He knew he that, like, but well, those two idiots did. Yeah, it. exactly. He's like, ha ha ha! Without me, they cannot make it out of here. Right? But they're just like, fuck this guy. He put us in a cage. He's yeah. going to die now. And now they're going to get arrested in that Phil same. Phil was in cage. prison before, yeah. right? Yeah, 100%. he doesn't want to be in a cage. Like, I, <laughs> like, get it, <laughs> get it. <laughs> yeah, just uh, on the way back home, Howie stops by the apartment to make sure Julia is out of there. And that's where his son kind of figures out that um, he has a girlfriend living in the apartment when he goes to take a, a shit in that one guy's God, kid just couldn't hold it. Yeah. Um, just another awkward family car ride home for this family. Uh, next day is the auction. Uh, Pap, the auction doesn't go to plan for Howard. What? Uh, what does he ask? His, it's his dad, father. What does he ask? His, oh, his father. Gooey. Gooey. What does yeah. he ask his father Gooey. how to do for him? Gooey. Um, God, he just feels so bad for him. Uh, uh, real quick, back to that scene in the bathroom or the hallway, though. I love how the dad from Good Time just shows John up. Amos. <laughs> That's so <laughs> random, but so <laughs> hilarious. He's a legend. <laughs> back off. Uh, but yeah, so he gets to the auction. He realizes at this moment because he's waited so long to get it appraised that they're like devaluing it and there's not even a picture of it in the thing. And there's like this whole notice that it's worth less. So his plan is to ask his father-in-law. This is probably the first time he's like crossed the line of like asking him for money, I think, based on their relationship. But he's going to ask him to bid it up. And man, dude, this auction scene is so stressful. Every time you watch this movie, like I'm just like, stop, just don't bid one more time. <laughs> But it's always Howard, like, egging him on, and he just feels so bad. Yeah, and they're in there bidding against KG. KG eventually finds out that they were bidding against him to pump up the bids and stuff, and 
he's pissed about that when he eventually comes back uh, to buy it later. Uh, but before that, he runs into Arno again one more time as uh, he's putting his father-in-law into the car. This is apparently a very wealthy family uh, regardless. Uh, they're driving away in a Bentley or something. Um, but he's... I don't, it's just like the father-in-law... He knows he shouldn't have helped uh, Howard, and he fucks up on his own. But like everybody is just so trusting of Howard and keeps giving him chances and chances uh, that he just keeps like digging a bigger hole for himself. <laughs> and uh, he's just fucking up more and more. Uh, so now he owes his father-in-law like all of the money. For the auction and he's still got to sell the stone <laughs> to get that money and arno is like down at the lobby floor to like have phil punch him in the throat and toss him in the fountain uh right after his father-in-law takes off <laughs> which is like the least scary thing he does in the movie <laughs> and then we get like the really funny scene afterwards of him walking back to his store uh he cries in front of julia uh josh what's kind of what is he saying to julia at this moment in time he's just kind of like wallowing uh, in everything that's happened to him have you guys ever heard john lennon's i'm a loser (laughs) Mm -hmm. he's just kind of like everything i do turns to shit uh (laughs) Uh, I don't know. McCartney wrote that. Yep. It's kind of like when she start when she I noticed when she saw his like wounds from getting beat up and is almost like being motherly to him. He reverts to like this very childish. I I don't know. Stevie, are you picking up any weird relationship? (laughs) She's half his age, but playing a mother character is kind of disturbing. Like someone has to with Howie, I guess, because. You know, we really, really never see his parents, and his wife hates him, and we never really see him being a father. And, I mean, it's, I guess it's a way to kind of get sympathy for the character of Howie, which is just, you know, seeing him at his rock bottom, only to, you know, rise from the ashes not too far after this. But um, what is that tattoo that she gets? I completely forget. Howie. Is it just say Howie? Howie. Yeah. Yeah. I I love how he just loves it. (laughs) holy shit i'm gonna (laughs) dude oh kg comes by to buy the stone he's still so entranced by it and he pays a 165k because i think damani took his cut which was like 10k so now at this point howard should be good he should be he should have his debts paid off after uh the sale of this stone at this point to kg no, he immediately turns around and places a bet on KG. He gives him some crazy speech. Uh, <laughs> I love about, that speech. It's so good. He somehow, yeah, he KG somehow uh, asked him about the Ethiopian miners that had gotten this stone from him and how he's kind of taking advantage of those guys. And Weak moment. That was lame. Why, why? What was your problem with? When he's like questioning the morality because he paid a hundred thousand for something he was going to sell for a million, 
why I don't that just doesn't resonate. I think KG's point was that it that Howard thought it was a million and he only gave these people in Africa a hundred thousand. Like they're clearly not rich yeah, people. Yeah, he undersold them. Yeah, he's taking advantage of them. I think was I like get the, his point, but KG in the context of this movie is visiting this dingy like jeweler that he knows is like doing illegal stuff and he's like pontificating on the day about of game seven. <laughs> like <laughs> what's he doing? <laughs> I this movie is wild because KG does not look like a good guy at all <laughs> in this in this movie. Uh, it's just weird. Yeah, he places that bet. He has Julia on the helicopter to like Atlantic City or something. And Arno and his goon show up. They're pissed. They see Julia turn around and pretend like she's going to the bathroom. They know something's up. And they end up following her. They find like the email receipt for the helicopter and they follow her all the way there to the casino. Stevie, what happens at the casino? How does this bet go? I mean, <laughs> to bring up kind of like the casino area, that like whale that she's with, or that's constantly trying to go through the guy with the awful hair and the spray tan. Like it, I love that guy. He's hilarious. Is he an actor or is that just a guy? That's yeah, got to be a he's real a fashion, guy. He's a fashion designer. His name's Wayne Diamond. Okay, that is great. Does he know he's playing that role? <laughs> like, I mean, I don't even know if it's like beyond parody at this point. But like guys like that, like I mean, whales like that, especially they go like Vegas or Atlantic City. Like they very much so do exist, and a lot of them. Um, what are you saying? Whales. I think you need to explain whales. to the audience what you're saying. Archie blows. Uh, pretty much the guys, like when they walk into a casino, they get like their own private rooms for poker. Like they're not going to like, I mean, these guys are going to be spending millions on blackjack, not like, yeah, they you know, want to schmooze them up because they know that they're going to be losing a lot of money. Probably, right. These so. guys like will show up with like an entourage. Like, like when these guys show up immediately, the casino is like there to like cater to them. Cause like the money that can be won for, like from these guys. So that's like what a whale is. And that's how I pictured this guy, you know, like with the chopper and the penthouse and anything you need. And just, I just kind of like how we got to look into that world. Just expecting so much from Julia, uh, come up to my room, have a drink. Yeah. Blah, blah, blah. He's a lonely guy. He doesn't have anybody <laughs> in the world to spend his money with. All right, Brett, I, I, I'm really glad that you shared your opinion. And I think I'll give you that he's not a good actor but i think he does fit the role you know what i mean it's almost a little bit over the top and silly oh yeah i don't really mind him and actually I, I, apparently it's like a fictionalized version of himself so i'm sure he had fun with it I, it doesn't bother me he that didn't bother me that much none of it bothered me i just said i could tell that they weren't actors that guy looks like wayne newton's younger brother <laughs> I, I don't know for some reason i just like i need to see a guy with fucked up teeth Trying to get money out of Howard rather than like a guy looking like Bradley Cooper trying to get money out of Howard. I don't know. It's just more like the pawn shop guys. It's like those are real guys. The twins. I'm with Brett. That seems like too over the top and the acting is bad and it just seems like a bad choice. But you know the scene where like he's asking his son or his son wants to go to the bathroom and they're opening up these like different New York apartment doors. Like, that is where the Safety brother, Like, that feels so real. 
And I don't know if those are actors or if those are like actual like NYC <laughs> residents. But like I think that's part of why like cat having some casting being non actors kind of creates this like suspension of disbelief in a kind of a cool way. The twins got a big laugh when I saw us in theaters. Specifically <laughs> the second time when he's like at the door when all this other shit's going down. Like that is it's just too much. She places this insane bet, uh, dumps all that money on the teller for Howard uh, for the bet. Uh, and in the same time, Howard ends up trapping, like we've been talking about uh, throughout the podcast, uh, Howard ends up trapping Arno and the goons inside this two-door system. And they're just kind of like roasting in there until the end of, like throughout this entire basketball game. They got to watch this shit with Howard. Uh, They're just kind of like getting angrier and angrier in this tiny, it looks like a heated room. (laughs) Uh, Stevie. uh, Arno's just kind of like, I don't know. I feel like he's like watching and rooting for Howard at the same time. He's 100% rooting for Howard. Bill wants Howard dead. Uh, He's about to, like, fire a gun in this bulletproof <laughs> case. That's interesting. When did Phil decide that when this is open, I will kill him? Because I think it's pretty early. <laughs> I told you it's when he's ragging on the guy from Boston. Yeah. Like that's the exact moment. <laughs> His soul thins a little far. bit more. His horcrux is split. If Howie had lost that bet, I mean, yeah, if Howie had lost that bet, he would have lived. He would have lived? I think he would have lived. I really do. Because he would have been fine with killing Howie, and Adam Sandler's character. I think so. Part of me does. Um, the reason I think Phil, I mean, even beyond like being in a cage and Howie just antagonizing him all movie, I think it was accumulation of that win extends Phil's problems. Like Howie is a thorn in the side of not just Arnold, but Phil. Because Phil has to constantly do all this tailing, running around, this chasing, and that win starts that cycle all over again. And I think that win is the moment like he was like, okay, I'm killing him. Wait, so you think Howie would have lived if he loses the bet? Yes, I do. Oh, I thought you meant Arno. No, no, no. I think if Howie lost that bet, interesting. I yeah. think he lives. I don't think Phil liked seeing Howie happy. Like, if that if anything pushed him over the edge, it may have been that. Phil, uh, yeah, he's just not happy. The moment when they're locked inside that door and he's watching the basketball game. And we're from Indiana, all of us here. The basketball it's, it's state. It's basketball, guys. Mm-hmm. That's like kind of what cinema is made for. That like, <laughs> sorry, Brett, but that tension of them sitting in there and thinking about all the emotions flowing through people, it harkens back almost to like a an old western. And uh, I don't know. I, it's it's beautiful in a way, but it's so ugly too. It's great cinema. I love 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 that scene. It does a good job of explaining the bet too, right? Because Julia runs into that guy. In the casino, who explains that it's like points plus rebounds plus assists or it's like whatever. good exposition. Yeah, yeah, it, it feels pretty flawless in the movie. And like, if you're not like a degenerate gambler, that's probably necessary to to get that. In there. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. That is really good uh, exposition because I don't know shit about gambling, but 
thought it was pretty easy to follow along. And we just get like more uh, B-roll of whatever NBA game this was or whatever. And KG is getting his stats up and he's hitting all these parlays. And Howard's losing his mind uh, in his store. The goons are watching him. They're just getting more and more pissed off. Arno seems to be fine in this situation. And as like, I I don't know why, like not as the boss of these goons or something, he's just like, it's fine. It's cool. Just calm down or at anything. But his guys are just like, especially Phil. Phil is just ready to go uh, as soon as he gets out of this tiny cage that he's locked in. All right, we're up enough. We're up enough. This is not that big of a deal. This will just fucking help seal it, but we're good. Don't talk. Just fucking do your shit, man. Do your shit. Do your shit. Get this shit. Come on. Yeah, 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 yeah. All right, the truth fucking feels it. I feel it. I'm confident now. I'm confident. Don't let him shoot that. Don't let him shoot that. Don't let him shoot that. Get that. Get that shit. Yeah. Yes. Oh, oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my God. And then, yeah, the game is over. Uh, Howard has hit all the parlays. He's won like 1.2 million or something. <laughs> he gets the call from Julia. They're celebrating. Julia still is in danger. She's got to use the help of the whale to get out of here. She's. Uh, he ends up taking her money uh, out of the casino and handing it to her. In a limo, she drives off. We don't see her for the rest of the movie. Uh, but Howard doesn't uh, get to celebrate the same way. <laughs> uh, Brett, what happens to Howie in his own shop after the game? He gets shot in the face by Phil. He finally lets them back in the shop, and then he comes out, shoots him in the face, killing him pretty much instantly. <sighs> yeah. Uh, it comes, I mean, what were you guys expecting? Did you guys see that coming or? I thought he was going to hit him or pistol whip him. I didn't think he was going to shoot him. When I was in the theaters, no, I did not see that. It was coming. pretty shocking. The amazing camera angle it takes, like following Ooh. like Howie's vision up to the ceiling is beautiful. Oh, the mirror ceiling? Yes. Yeah. Is there a little bit of departed in this too? Like the fact that someone gets shot. Uh, remember that elevator scene when, like, just suddenly, like, <laughs> Matt Damon and Leo oh, and nowhere. some other dude just get like headshot. Oh, yeah, it's very uh, abrupt. It's like uh, American Beauty as well. Spoiler alert! But like, there's a tradition of movies where I don't know that someone is like playing out a day in a life that ends bang with like bullet wound to the head and. This is one of them. I think it's good to end on a sudden violent moment, right? Because, like, I was thinking about this earlier. I don't even know, like, what section of Blockbuster you would put Uncut Gems in. Like, drama? Thriller? Thriller? Thriller. thriller? Yeah, I say thriller. But it's a thriller with, like, virtually, like, no violence, right? Yeah. And it's a very unique story where that thrilling sensation is coming from gambling addict definitely shocking the first time i saw it um just comes out of nowhere and then we get like a slow zoom into the face wound uh 
of Howard and that gunshot wound. And it's like another trippy uh, synth travel through uh, space and then credits roll. I do like how it shows like the juxtaposition of like everybody in Howard's life and like what they're doing at the same time of like him celebrating that parlay and getting shot. I thought that was cool. His kid is like, my dad sold jewelry. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> everybody else in his life seems pretty happy. Uh, <laughs> Jeez. Howard was pretty happy for a brief moment and then he got shot. Anything else you guys want to say before we go to yes no's? This movie does not feel its length. No. Like, I, I can't believe this is a two hour and 14 minute movie. I know Brett probably disagrees. I paused it and I was like, there's got to be like 30 minutes left. And there was like over an hour and I was just like, oh my God. <laughs> it flies by for me. I can't explain it. One thing I really like this that uh, this movie does is not only do we have like an unlikable character as our main protagonist or anti-hero, whatever you want to call him, but like he's also so such an unreliable narrator and such a liar that he almost treats the audience kind of like he treats everybody else in his life, which is just, you know, lying to us at the next score. I thought that was really cool. But you also kind of like fall for it over and over again mm-hmm. in the movie, just like everyone in his life. I, just, I, I always go back to that Michael Jackson necklace. That to me is such a great payoff. I have a Stevie question. Mm-hmm. Kind of. I think if there's just one scene I would cut, it would be the closet scene where he's like texting like, you know, what are you wearing and stuff? <laughs> it's not that I hate the scene, but like, what? why is that scene in here? I feel like it doesn't it's to really build fit. tension through the audience. Are you supposed to think that she's cheating on him? Yeah, so the, the, the initial seeds are like planted that the idea of like she's like running around on Howard who has oh. who has like no yeah. reason to even be mad because he's running around so on his wife. So he's super suspicious. Okay. They set it up pretty well, actually. I remember like they a couple little things they could have done. Like he texts her... You know, uh, in a different movie, she might have, like, looked at it and, like, thrown it down. Like, I don't need to respond to him. But, like, I think it shows that <laughs> she's really into him. Like, she really does love him. So Julia mm-hmm. Fox really loves him in this movie. And I f- find that hard to swallow. At, at first glance, especially. Like, that's tough. Like, why? Well, she is about to bang the weekend. He's paying <laughs> her rent in New York, bro. Okay, but yeah. even Elsa laughs in his face about how ridiculous it is. But, like, I know he's paying the rent, Stevie, but I think she really loves him in this movie. But something clicked. And I think I think what you're supposed to maybe get is that she's the next him, right? Like, she doesn't really know about this bet and stuff and, like, how it all works. But I think... I think there's some signs that she's like getting wiser and she has her own kind of like set of skills or something. And I did like that part of it. And maybe, I don't know, am I off base there? I didn't get any of that, but I mean, who knows? I think it's more of like she loves him because she genuinely does believe that he's a winner. Yep. You know what I mean? Yeah, I see that. He's rubbed everybody else down, but she's relatively new and that's why he like feeds off of her too right because he needs and not all that like borrowed money is going to parlays like some of that's going to her Mm -hmm. like on whether it's like jewelry or new clothes like whatever it is like it's going to her so i mean i could see why she loves howie i'm pretty sure the only time that howard says i love you back to her 
is after he hits the big bet at the end. I think all the other times she just says I love you and he like ignores it because he's wrapped up in one of the I'm gonna fuck the shit out of you yeah. tonight. <laughs> yeah. I think uh, Happy Gilmore is actually one of the Safdie brothers' favorite movies. They did the rewatchables with Bill uh, Simmons on Happy Gilmore. So I don't know. <laughs> Have you listened to that episode? Is it good? I kind of want to listen now. I listened to the part of it. I'll probably re-listen to it again. Uh, yeah, I'll listen to that. I think this movie took, what, about 10 years to get off the ground? They had, I don't know if it was that long, but they had been wanting to make it for a long time. And I guess I read that Robert Pattinson, like, saw something of theirs. He saw a poster. Yeah, and, like, met with them and thought it was really cool. And then they kind of, like, started writing Good Time for him. He saw a movie poster. (laughs) I think they, yeah, I think at least a script, Stevie that they had been like kicking it around for a really, yeah, really I long time. I think they originally passed it to Adam like maybe 2010, 2009. Uh, let me see. Let me see if I can find it. I like that uh, Natasha Leone and Tilda Swinton were in it. Like, I can't believe I didn't recognize Tilda Swinton's voice on the phone because I know her pretty well, I guess. Wait, she's in this? She's the, like, the yeah, person who's waiting for the Opal. Mm hmm. On the phone. That's like seven movie club for her. Sneaky Tilda. <laughs> she has a Tom Holland in lock sort of role for this. Yeah. <laughs> Deep cut. The last... <laughs> <laughs> How's the traffic, Brett, coming in out of Philly today? It's fine. <laughs> uh, sorry, my very last note, Mikey. I like that the game ends in a very normal NBA way, right? Like they don't have some like last second three. I know that's obviously because they used game footage, but like (laughs) what a great decision to use real game footage, right? With all of the litigation risks that we talked about. You know what I mean? That it probably had to jump through a lot of hoops to get that cleared with their own team. Two thousand nine is when they conceived the film. Yeah, they finished their first uh draft of two thousand nine and they called it something they hadn't earned yet. And it's funny that they approached Adam Sandler's manager who rejected it without showing it to Adam. In 2009? Uh, somewhere between 2009. I mean, sounds like right around there. So they always wanted it to be Adam Sandler, even back then? That's I think awesome. so. It looks like in 2017, Jonah Hill joined the cast. I wonder what... That's crazy. I wonder what he would have been. Oh, Sandler replaced Jonah Hill. What do you think? Uh, man, I bet mm. Jonah Hill could have played a really scummy guy. Like uh, him and Wolf of Wall Street would have been like just like that. I can kind of picture Jonah Hill saying, I disagree. Actually. <laughs> oh, definitely. <laughs> yeah, I don't have anything else to say. Obviously, snubbed. I will say that uh thought it should have gotten a lot more recognition and praise uh, when it came out. I think it, sure, down the years, we'll probably get that praise and stuff and people like it enough now. To my technical people, uh, do you guys like or notice like the 35 millimeter over, I guess, what, digital? Because that's what they used. Not when I'm watching it here on my monitor, but like I remember in the theaters just thinking how mm-hmm. awesome yeah. it looked. It was it was such a cool experience in theaters, like particularly that weekend concert. Like, mm. I don't know. That looked amazing. What's uh, long zoom lenses like? I mean, obviously I know what they are, but like what? They're- 35 Josh. is not long at all. No, but I'm saying a uh, film was shot by Darius Condi on 35 millimeter film using long zoom lenses. 
I don't know, something like a hundred or two hundred. It, it just means like you'd be the camera would be like really far, really far away. away, and you're, oh, okay. you're pressing up on something. Yeah, claustrophobic mm. look. I would say not claustrophobic because I think claustrophobic would be like a wide angle lens and close up and mm. um, sweaty. I guess there is a lot of sweat. In this There's movie. a lot of sweat. <laughs> so much, yeah. A lot of sweat and blood. Calm. Yeah, sometimes that confuses me. Even all this time, me like working with film and lenses and stuff is well i don't i've never worked with like actual film film but like 35 millimeter is like a size of tape basically but it's also a size of lens there's a 35 millimeter like canon lens that i use often that's like really nice so it's just kind of a confusing film term i work with cameras as well i don't know that shit they used 35 millimeter film. Is that what they used? Yeah, and they apparently they they wanted it so bad they took a pay cut to use it. Yeah, it's expensive. Um, I think it's like the standard. It was a standard for a long time. It's 35 mil. What is the one under that? 16? 1.2 mil. Under 35 mil? Uh, I want to say you're right, Josh. 16. Um, I know that, I mean, a lot of older movies and... I know Tarantino is always a fan of it, but 70 millimeter is always a big, you know, for showing great big stuff. So, <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> I uh, how expensive that is. That's oh insane. my God, it's so expensive. So I can see why they took a pay cut. But, uh, I mean, <laughs> I like the look of film personally. <laughs> yeah, I feel like you can tell, like, almost fairly quickly. The way the lights know, come off it, I think, is always mm-hmm. what gives me a big, big tell away. I mean, also kind of just for them, like they're telegraphing that they're really serious filmmakers. You know what I mean, right? Mm-hmm. Like they're taking this kind of stuff seriously, like what's being shot on. Like I, I think they really did want to get Sandman that Oscar nomination. Which, I mean, I agree, Brett. Looking at it, it's a pretty brutal year. It's unfortunate. Yeah, it's bad timing for sure. Yeah. Do you guys see uh, a serious man by the Coen Brothers in this a lot? Another midlife crisis. Jewish guy with glasses that has like uh, I don't know the the Jewishness of those two movies. Cy Abelman? Well, they're both directed by Jewish brothers, so <laughs> brothers, <right>. yeah. <laughs> yeah. At, at risk of sounding like <laughs> racist against Jewish people or something, but like those, I, I found myself thinking of a serious man several times throughout this, and it's Minnesota suburbs versus. New York inner city gambler district. Right. 35, 24, 16. For film width. Yeah. Those are just common ones. Obviously, there's more than that, I'm sure. But how many millimeters is your gun, Brett? 35? (laughs) Uh, I don't have any guns anymore. I lost them all in a tragic boating accident. Mm. (laughs) RIP. Glad we have that on record officially. Yeah. Josh, sorry. I'm going to correct myself quick. Motion picture film sizes are most common, 8mm, 16, 35, and 70. Double perforations, cassette loaded. So, you were right. It's kind of insane, too. Is 70, like, equivalent to, like, 8K or something like that? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, You guys ready for trivia? Yes or no's? Ah, shit, yeah. Go ahead. Uh, Um, (laughs) We'll go east west. Oh, Oh, me first? (laughs) <laughs> oh, what am I gonna give it? Uh, I'll just make this quick. Uh, so I, there's some, the filmmaking aspects are pretty good. I like the look of it all. I just found it 
unbelievably obnoxious and uncomfortable and I hated it. I looked over at my wife who was like wincing and I was like, like, man, this is crazy. She's like, I've hated every second of this movie. So that kind of, <laughs> if it would have been a happy ending, maybe, but it, it, just because it was happy for uh, what's Howie doesn't mean it's happy for me. It's a, a solid no for me. Sorry, guys. Uh, Stevie? Oh, this is the hardest of yeses for me. Uh, I love Dirtbag Cinema, uh, especially how most of them end. This is my favorite Adam Sandler movie and performance, bar none. Got him. And just, I mean, it's an incredible movie with, you know, we live in an age of nothing but Marvel movies and familiar IP and remakes. And to see something like this so fresh and so aggressive and well-made, you know, top to bottom, the script is awesome. Filmmaking is great. The acting is incredible. And I love that kind of downer ending. You know, I think that's really cool to see in a, you know, very recent movie. So, hardest of yeses. Josh? This is Josh from Goshen. Um, I'm obsessed, and I'm going to look up, I'm going to do more research later on how they used fair use for these NBA basketball games. That's awesome. (laughs) And write a letter to Universal. (laughs) Explain it to them. Yeah, this all has to do with Post Malone in the end. But I think... Like, Brett is on to something, and one maybe cheap trick they use is the whole movie starts off with a colonoscopy. And, like, what at least male human, like, hasn't dreaded that happening in their life <laughs> at one point or another. So it's almost like a cheap trick to just get set on this really anxious foot, but it just keeps the foot on the gas. It's brilliant. Um, and one other thing I wanted to give a shout out when. KG is around and he kind of like makes his cameos inside of the jewelry store. I'm sure you guys have all had like little times in your life where you've been around someone famous, but in a movie full of like famous people and even famous directors, like when KG like enters the room, that feeling of like the famous person is here is just like so palpable and real (laughs) It's just really great filmmaking. I've drooled over this movie a lot, even maybe more than Kevin Garnett over the Opal itself. So I'll just stop here. But it's a huge Vigo yes for me. I love this movie. Pap? Definite hard yes for me too. Like, there's so many great things about this movie from the way it makes you feel very, very uncomfortable to the way that it looks to like how airtight the script is like now i didn't we had to work out together like why they didn't get out of the jewelry store but like when you nitpick this movie it stands up to scrutiny too which i think is like sure it goes into when you have a script for nine years you can really refine it and tighten it yeah it's so cool so cool oh dude Um, sorry (laughs) (laughs) no i can't not do it no um i don't know i love this movie it's i think it's really fair that we have one person on the night who vehement on tonight who vehemently hates this movie because i feel like this movie is definitely not for everyone yeah um production design wise i think it's it's uh it's amazing um it looks great visually and it sounds amazing soundtrack is uh really great like we talked about all the synth and 
I think I like have to kind of agree with Brett and the way that it makes you feel throughout the whole movie. Like you kind of hate watching it, but I don't know. There's just like something when Howard gets shot in the face, it's like all of that tension, all that anxiety in the movie. It's like, ah, this is what it paid off for. It's like this guy is going to just get blown away at the very end of the movie. So I think it uses that to it advantage in a way that I haven't really seen too many movies do and it really was uh, a really fun first experience uh, the first time I watched it but the second time um, knowing what happens it certainly doesn't have the same effect but yeah it's still anxiety inducing and you're just like following Howard and just seeing how this this problem he has just fucks up every uh, aspect of his life. And it's just, I don't know. It's like a PSA for gambling, really. <laughs> and I think it's very effective at it. So I give it a hard yes. Um, I think it's a great movie. I, lo I love the Safety Bros movies. They're so good. And, and I really can't wait for uh, Corey to win at some point so he can do a uh, good time. Because that's what I really wanted to watch. Uh so, miss you, Corey. Yeah, it's a hard yes for me. I haven't seen that. Is it actually not a very good time? It's a great time <laughs> <laughs> for dirtbags. I, I haven't seen it, so no spoilers, please. I would say it like invokes the same feelings as this yeah, movie, so just probably not gonna or watch it. in a criminal space. Uh, so what was that? One, two, three, four yeses, one no. Yep, that is bitter herb. Fish Howard got. The stone delivered in. That's about as fresh as those. <laughs> we could have we could have picked something from the their little Passover meal or whatever, but that's oh uh, yeah, probably some gefilte um, fish or uh, yeah. matzo ball. So that's a that's a it's a passing grade for uncut gems. Um, you guys ready for trivia? Mm -hmm. Yes. All right. This is just a closest to. Uh, nobody has any like real knowledge on diamonds or carrots or any of that shit so i just figured it'd be pretty even if we just go closest to how many carrots is the largest diamond ever found <laughs> and i'm gonna need help on the order here because it's just been months since uh we've done this trivia yeah i've got you mikey it's been a long time so you obviously won most recently uh from stevie's host mouse hunt which he won from Corey. we miss you Corey, on boondock saints <laughs> Who won that from Josh on The Stranger, Brett on The Burbs, and Pappy The Ring. So the order is Stevie, Josh, Brett, Pappy. And if I win the trivia, there's always a chance it might be a music trivia <gasps> next episode with Ooh. the streets involved. <gasps> is that supposed to be like... So we're hoping <laughs> Brian don't win? It's like a bribe. Or Basically, that's... Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's a warning? It's a threat? The audience is diversified in this matter, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> I like the trivia Josh does. I'm just not very good at it. So Stevie's first? Sure. Is that what you're saying, Pap? Okay. Yep. Uh, let's go with a queen number. Let's go 390 carats, Alex. Josh? Go with a fairly dank 400 and... Wait, what did, wait, what did Stevie say? <laughs> 390. <laughs> 420 carats. <laughs> <laughs> Such a dank guess. Fairly dang. <laughs> Me? Oh, man, I have no idea. Um, 
I'll say... One... Fifty. Ugh. Um, and Pap. 421. Ooh. I'll take the over. Actual retail price, and I have no idea, um, like, the circumference or anything <laughs> of this thing. But this thing is 3,106 carats. Wow. Sky's the limit on carrots, boys. That's fairly dank. So, Pap, you're the winner. We'll take a quick break. Uh, gather gather our thoughts here. Pap can choose a, <laughs> choose a movie. The and then, uh, oh, my gosh. It's been so long. Schnicky, yeah, schnicky, schnike. All right. Break time. Commercial break. Special thank you to our patrons. Matt Troll. What do you want? I got, How do you I, your bet? I know, I know. I got to change the bet. I got $21,000 here. So you add it on to the 19 grand. It's $40,000 and off. Brother Brian. Scrap the whole bet? Scrap the whole bet. I want to make a six-way parlay. Celtics, Sixers game. What's the line? Still plus one. Druid King. Plus one. Okay, so I want the Celtics to cover. I want the Celtics halftime. I want Garnett points and rebounds. Garnett block shots. Nick. Celtics opening tip. Do you take lightning bets? Yeah, but you don't want any part of lightning bets. Fine. Come on. A thousand dollars a point. Okay, take this. The Meg. And this is a gift for me. What's I this? Just, for, for just what tolerating me for all this time. Okay. No, no, no. I already have a Rolex. I don't need your watch. Listen, it's probably fell off the truck anyway. Listen, but what do you know? Going at this, going at that. What do you know? David. I don't know. I just know. Well, I'll tell you what I know. That's the dumbest fucking bet I ever heard of. Nurse Stacy. I disagree. I disagree, Gary. If you'd like to request an episode, hear your name read by Spoiler Man, or even just help us make podcasts, please check us out on patreon.com slash spoilers podcast. And we're back. Pap, uh, you're the winner of trivia. What have you chosen? Um. See, I thought all this time, and I'm gonna pivot. Actually, I texted Stevie something. I'm gonna pick something else. Oh my um, gosh! I just ranked my letterbox list on potential podcast episodes, Pappy, by most popular, uh, to appeal to the widest base of listeners. This is a movie I want to spoil for a while. We're gonna go 1998. Peter Weir directed The Truman Show. Let's oh. go! Wow, cable TV classic. I haven't seen that all the way through. In probably 15 years. Yeah, I'm with you there, I think. If one of us was Truman, which one would it be? That's going to be my opening question. Save it for the okay, pod. Fair enough. <laughs> yeah. And for our listeners, if you want to save a penny, don't go there. Pap, going to host next week with The Truman Show. I hope you guys all liked Uncut Gems. I know we did, besides Brett. Um, let us know what you think. Uh, like, comment, subscribe, all that shit find us on twitter uh find us on spotify apple Podcasts, all that good stuff check out our patreon um just 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 listen just listen to the pods and tell us you're listening smash that like button and subscribe smash that like button check out the instagram Mm -hmm. (laughs) um it's always popping over there um Glad you made it all the way through. Uh, Thank you for joining us. And goodbye. We'll see you next week with 
uh, Pappy's pick of Truman Show. That was spoilers. I'm going to come. Our email is podcastspoilers at gmail.com. Twitter is at spoilers underscore pod. Our Instagram is podcastspoilers. It's lit. Josh Hensley from the Rutabaga wrote our theme song. Please support this podcast by leaving us an iTunes review. To do this, one, search for movie spoilers. Two, click on our orange spoilers bowl logo and scroll all the way to the bottom. Three, leave us some stars and some words. Now you can check us out on Spotify, YouTube, Stitcher, Apple, and Google Podcasts. Spoilers is now available on Audible. Should the Lord of the Rings episodes be just Patreon only? <laughs> no. no. But they can come out after this, I think. I just want that to be said as a question mark for our audience. They're in such Get the suspense. people wanting to join the Patreon. Well, I don't know what to pick. <laughs> to see the last chapter through. I was going to let you guys pick. I had three movies to... I'm going to make a folder unless somebody's doing it right now. Yeah, I know. Go ahead. Sorry. I don't want to fuck up my pick. Why? You could just be like Mikey and pick two other movies. Hey, no. Yeah, pivot. No, I've never pivoted. Never will. It's a fun experience. Always causes controversy. Yeah. Always gets the... Who has pivoted before? The thread riled up. I was the pivot king back in the day. Josh, speaking of Vigo Mortensen, does he have an uncut gem mm-hmm. or... Hold on. I got to text Stevie something real quick. No, Dude, sorry. We, we used to use uncut gems. I did. I Euphemism. saw your review. I had no idea. what I was like, oh, okay. I was going to use that joke earlier, but I forgot. How long ago was that? Oh, ah, my fuck God. It. I'm just going to do it. Okay. Uh, Pap's ready? Don't blow it. Mm. Yeah, Pap, why are me. you rushing us? We're talking about uncut gems over Sorry. here. Why are you... Why do you sound like you're in pain? I don't know what to, ah, It's been me. so long. <laughs> this is scary. Get your list out. Ooh, ah. I'm looking yeah. at it. Pick good time, and then Corey will trade you a couple picks for oh, it. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. A couple third-round picks. Hold it over Corey's to, head. To Corey, that's two first-rounders <laughs> and a third. <laughs> yeah, because everyone loves it when Corey owes Pappy picks and Pappy owes Corey picks. And always... Fun times for the pod. Stevie, look at thre- – should I pick – can I pick that? Uh, let me see. Oh, please. You can't, you can't okay. pick riding the bus with your sister. No, I'm not going to. <clears throat> yeah, that'll be that'll be a great one. You think? Yeah, that, that's okay. a really good one. Okay. Yep, I got my pick. Holy shit, I'm going to come. That was spoilers.